fans welcome to the working fans podcast we are celebrating episode 200 this weekend and we have a major guest for you author brian solomon is back last time we had him on we talked about blood and fire and brian how did you like the reaction to the chic book and you've been doing some promo work going out to michigan how has that all been since the book has come out well the reaction's been bigger than i ever possibly imagined i mean it was I was very hesitant to, I'm wondering, is this book even going to find an audience, you know, because it was a labor of love for me. And even when I reached out to Dave Drayson, who's one of the main voices in the book, first thing he said to me was like, how many people you think you're going to buy this book? Like, why are you writing this book? And it turned out to be, and I think it's because I never shut up about it. It turned out to be a huge success, bigger than I ever could have thought. I mean, it won the 2022 Wrestling Observer Award Book of the Year, which I can't think of a higher award for a wrestling book in particular it got the it's a publisher's weekly starred review and like you were saying the library of michigan recognized it because of course the chic was from michigan as a 2022 notable book of the year so i got a chance to go out there i brought my daughter with me i hadn't been to michigan since certainly since I wrote the book because of COVID. I didn't, you know, when I was writing it, travel was so limited. And so I had a chance to go there and I got I got the award. And then I went back and did a whole library tour, like you said, across the state of Michigan. I mean, I was everywhere. I did like, you know, uh, I, I, I clustered them all together into one week so I wouldn't have to keep flying over and over again. Although I'm open to going back again, but I'm, I'm trying to like keep it as economical as I can. But I mean, it, it's humbling. It's crazy when you go to these things. It's the same experience I had when I was working on WWE magazine back in the day, which is like you're in a little cubicle or your office or whatever. And it's so easy to forget people are reading this, like a lot of people, people read it, they enjoy it, they want to talk about it. So it's like you get out of that bubble. And it can be really humbling and and gratifying to see like how well liked the book has been. And it's it'll be a tough act to follow. At what point after the Chic book did you decide to start the book that just came out? Superheroes, a pop culture phenomenon from Ant-Man to Zorro. Almost had the title memorized there. Better than me. Obviously, you like talking about wrestling. So was this a chance to get to talk about something besides wrestling for once? Yes, definitely. And I did another non-wrestling book a few years ago, Godzilla. FAQ. And, you know, I like to get outside of it now and then, even though wrestling's my thing. But the the interesting thing is the crazy thing is those books really overlapped to a degree that I didn't even really plan because I had done Godzilla FAQ, I think was the last book that I did. And I'm thinking like, hey, you know what? I got some time now. I want to try and pitch a new book. And I wound up, I pitched the superheroes book first because that was the same company that did my Godzilla book and my pro wrestling FAQ book. I pitched them. I didn't hear anything back. Weeks went by. I gave up. And then I went to ECW press and I said, okay, I'll try something wrestling related. I've never done a biography. And, you know, I, I, I settled on the Sheik as my idea. I pitched them. They accepted it. And then I started working. And about a month later, the other company got back to me about superheroes. And I was like, whoa, hold on. Okay, we've got to like plan this out. And I had to sort of stretch it out a little bit so that I started writing the manuscript for superheroes almost immediately after I finished writing the manuscript for Sheik, Blood and Fire. So what happened was while we're doing the post work on the Sheik book, like laying it out, getting photography, approving all the, you know, the different stages, I'm there writing superheroes at the same time. So it's not the ideal way, but I mean, in a way it's nice when they both come out and now they're like out there, you know, within a year of each other and. Hmm. you know it's kind of nice it was it was hell to get through 
And I wouldn't have, I probably wouldn't have done it that way on purpose. But the crazy thing now is I'm trying to make sure that the superheroes book doesn't kind of get lost in the shuffle a little bit, you know, because in, because, you know, I, I'm mostly known for the wrestling projects and now I have my next wrestling project that I'm now starting. So I'm trying to make sure that it doesn't get forgotten. You know, it's not as glamorous of a concept. You know, I'm, I'm doing a great job of selling it, right? I mean, <laughs> it's not personality driven. That's the thing. And I've always found that the books like the Sheik book, personality driven. So and, and this one is the superheroes book is a reference book. It's a single volume. Everything you ever want to know about the history of not just comic books, but of just the whole idea of superheroes and superhero fiction. And so, you know, I feel like that book needs, in a way, it, need, it, it, it needs less work to sell because it's one of those books, if you're interested in the subject, you're going to want to buy it. It doesn't even matter who wrote it. It's like, they don't even, it doesn't even matter if they know who I am. Like the concept sells the book. I grew up on the Bill Bigsby, like Incredible Hulk, <laughs> you know? The reruns of Adam West, Batman, like that stuff. And then after the Christian Bale Batman movies, I think I took a little break from superheroes for a while. And then Marvel started really, I thought, painting this great story together, you know, with all these different movies. Before I knew it, I started following all the movies that, since the since the Iron Man with Robert Downey Jr. I started watching all these Marvel movies and I realized that, oh, this is very similar to pro wrestling. You know, I started drawing that comparison, like the storylines and what a fantastic job Marvel did of getting over certain characters. You know, like throw an example, Doctor Strange, like he's got this backstory, but then you see him like in Avengers and he's a big deal there. You know, like getting the main event rub, right? Like I started drawing all these analogies and stuff too and that was kind of how I got into this. So I don't, I just wanted to start off. I don't know, were you big in the comic books? Like what are your, you know, what were your favorite superheroes? Yeah, I was a big collector. I mean, my prime era of collecting, even though there's been other po points in my life where I got back into it, I was a big comic book reader from like the mid 80s into the early 90s. And then I started, you know, like, having girlfriends and things like that. But I mean, those earlier years where you got so much time and you're young and you know, I would go to the, even before I discovered comic book stores, I would go to the newsstand we had around the corner every week and pick up. Like, I remember back then I had like a $5 bill and this was when comics were 65, 75 cents and I'd buy as many as I could get for $5. And then, you know, I wound up bumping it up to $10 and all that. But I mean, I was a big, I started following comics around the time of what they now call kind of like the beginning of like the end of the Bronze Age, the beginning of the modern age in a way, like right after Crisis on Infinite Earths in DC, where they're rebooting all their characters for the first time. And right around the time of, in, in between Secret Wars 1 and Secret Wars 2 with Marvel, like that was my, like I remember one of the first books I ever bought was one of the original secret wars which is i know a lot of comic book purists they hate secret wars but if you're nine ten years old in 1984 85 it is the greatest thing ever where you've got every superhero marvel superhero every marvel supervillain they're whisked away to this planet yeah. and it's like this all-powerful being saying okay now fight each other it's like the greatest idea ever so that's what got me into comics and really interested in comics the first yeah that was around that was the beginning of it okay do you have a preference of dc or marvel or does it just depend on the story or i was way into marvel over dc yeah. for really in the 80s and 90s my heyday of comics collecting i was way more of a marvel fan in fact the only dc that i regularly enjoyed was Batman and Superman, the two yes. big characters. And again, that was because, and Dave, I know you remember this, back in those ancient days when it came to movies, 
That's yeah. all you got. That was it. There was Batman movies and there was Superman movies. And so like, you know, that's what I read. I wasn't into the wider DC universe. That changed in the early 2000s. By that point, I wasn't collecting as heavily as usual. It would take, you know, I was married. I had kids. I had a, a job, a career. So it would take really special things to pull me back in. And that's the era when DC started doing these really interesting things. They were doing like identity crisis. They did the original 52. There was a lot of like they were trying to like tie their continuity together in really interesting ways. They were getting a lot of great artists in. That's when they were doing, um, they did All-Star Superman with Frank Quitely, which is like one of the greatest Superman stories ever. Things like that were bringing me into DC in a broader way that I never had been involved before. And in fact, I thought that they had it over Marvel for a while until the Marvel movies started coming out. And now I feel like in the last 15 years in the wake of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, really, really? as much as it pains me to say, the movies have completely overshadowed the comic books as far as like where people are mm -hmm. discovering superheroes, even kids. Like I've worked with kids as a teacher and I, this will be depressing for people my age, but I'll bring up superheroes. And a lot of these kids don't even know that the characters came from comic. They only know them from the movies. And so when I start talking about comic books, they're like, what the heck are you talking about? Oh. Like what I've never, I don't even, I've never seen a comic book in my life, you know, but that's where we're at right now. It's interesting. That's man. wild. I remember when I was young, my grandparents, they had saved these comics that came in the Sunday papers. It was like its own little flyer. So when I was young, I had these collections of like serialized comics and you could go from week to week and follow the story. And it's just not a way that comics are taken in anymore. Right. The the ongoing. Uh, that's the other thing, too, is now even for people that do still collect and read comics, it's much more common for people to buy these trade paperbacks and the collected editions. So it's like when you have the monthly comics coming out, you have people going like, well, I'm going to wait until the whole thing gets collected and then I'm going to buy it that way. And that's like to, that's such an alien thing to me. Like for me, it was always the other way around. You'd get the original issues. And because they were really collectible. And then if you really liked it, then when the paperback came out, you'd buy that too on top of it, you know? So it, there's like massive changes going on. I keep hearing rumors that, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if in the next generation or so that comic books, especially the major comics, just go away. You know, like Warner Media has been talking because they own DC Comics. Right. It's been rumbling for a while now that they might shut down their comics division entirely, which is insane to think of that there would be no Superman or Batman comic books. But they're looking at it and going like why are we still doing this because the sales are so tiny these days compared to what they used to be. how do you feel about james gunn taking over dc now is that do you think it's promising you know i try to be hopeful because i don't and and in the book if you read my book the book has a bias any book you ever read will have a bias and i'm in there very vocally saying that dc has really dropped the ball compared to marvel in terms of what they've done with their movie universe it's been confusing yeah. It's been a mess. You got multiple versions of Batman. You got three different Jokers floating around. Like, wh what are they even doing? You got the TV continuity separate from the movie continuity. It's just all over the place. And so I'm hopeful when they when they say, okay, James Gunn, who I loved from right. Guardians of the Galaxy, you want to talk about wrestling. He took a jabroni jobber team yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he made them into the main event. You know, every superhero movie that has been made since guardians is trying to be like guardian and whoever saw that coming and i mean across all the different companies too no one saw that coming but so i'm hopeful but i have to say when i look at what he actually has planned 
it's not that I'm going like, oh, this is going to stink. It's not something I look at where I'm like, oh, wow, okay, it's in good hands now. It's something I look at and I go, I'm going to wait and see how this turns out because this could be great and this could wind up being even worse than what they were doing before. So I have to wait and see. Yeah, I get that. I'm kind of saying I'm hopeful. Like I, yeah. I hope. I'm but, hopeful. Yeah. And I think it's like for DC, this would be the time, right? Because I like Marvel a lot, but there's been so much Marvel with the addition of Disney Plus in the last few years. And I don't know, for me personally, like I feel this way with wrestling for a while. Sometimes you just get burned out with stuff. And I well, said, like, okay, so this would be an ideal time for DC to... If you could put some good pro, I did like the Peacemaker with John Cena, which I know Gunn was a part of, and I thought, oh, okay, that's good. So seeing him work on that, no one's success with Guardians. I'd like to think he could do something well. Yeah, and and one of my biggest disappointments is Superman because it's such a shame. It's like, especially I think of kids today that were the age I was when I discovered these characters and their perception of Superman. It must be so incredibly warped from what it's supposed to be. I mean, Zack Snyder, in my opinion, completely did not understand that character at all and you had Henry Cavill who was like the perfectly cast Superman and he's stuck in these horrible movies you know I came out of Man of Steel feeling like I'd been mugged you know (laughs) of $15 $12 whatever it was I feel like they just don't get the character and because you know, it's such a pure, idealized character right. that it's like everybody's like, oh, well, we have to make him flawed and we have to make the world's going to hate him because he's an alien. And he's got all this. He's got the the burden of being Superman. And, and it's like, no, he loves being Superman. Could you imagine being Superman? It's been the greatest <laughs> damn thing ever to be Superman. It's not, you know, he's not Batman. He's not Batman. How many times, you know, he's not the Punisher. And you have to embrace that. It doesn't mean he's a cornball. It doesn't mean he's a phony. It doesn't mean he's lame. All you got to do is look at the Richard Donner movies and see that it's possible of how to treat that that character. And, you know, if you look at everybody's colored now by the Frank Miller Dark Knight Return. Frank Miller hated Superman. It's clear to see. He made him into a government stooge. He made him into, he took the whole like world's oldest Boy Scout thing so seriously. And he made him into this insufferable character where you look at him and you go like, boy, I hope Batman kicks his ass, you know? And that's just not what the character was ever intended to be. So I'm hoping somebody comes along who gets that, that you could actually have a superhero that people look up to, you know, and take it seriously at the same time. I think we're all kind of old school pro wrestling fans. And I think all of us, you know, there's a place for aerial wrestling, but sometimes we talk about how things have gotten so far away. Like, you know, it's the common joke, like everybody's waiting for that dive, right? nowadays but i wonder sometimes do you think superhero movies and maybe especially marvel movies in the last 15 years have influenced pro wrestling that's a really interesting idea i i think yes to a certain degree i think there's cross-pollination i mean i think movies are influenced by wrestling i i've thought that for years when you see i remember years ago 20 years ago when i went to see freddie versus jason and Mm -hmm. it was one of those times where i thought like holy cow this movie is like a wrestling angle and whoever saw wrote this they must know wrestling and i came to find out later that that was true that the screenwriters were huge wrestling fans and they were thinking of things like jason's gonna turn babyface in this movie which he does right and and the whole thing i mean, I mean freddie does an elbow drop on jason in the <laughs> yeah. movie i mean come on but i mean 
so so I've seen stuff like that. I've seen it in the Marvel movies too, like a, you know where I think there's some of that thinking. But I also yes, I I do see especially recently, like if you look at the Bloodline, for example, that's something where, and I don't want to say it's just Marvel movies, superhero movies, but that's something where you can see how very consciously they are trying to take wrestling storytelling to another level sometimes it frustrates fans because they're used to the more traditional style of storytelling but they're trying to make it more cinematic if you notice like the wrestlers are much better mic'd so you could hear what they're saying in the ring much more than you ever used to be able to it's like they're really trying to add these levels of detail and nuance and slow things down which i like because i feel like you know, we're still recovering from that Vince Russo, like everybody's turning mm-hmm. heel and face every week, 47 title changes a month. You know, we're recovering from that. And I think that's a good thing. So, yes, I do see a back and forth influence. We're going from your last book, Superheroes, a pop culture history of from Ant-Man to Zorro. The link is in the description for this book, Blood and Fire and Pro Wrestling FAQ. But those are the books you had been working on. Your newest project is still in the works and anybody that follows you on social media knows that you're doing a book on Gorilla Monsoon. How is that process coming along? That is going so well, and I'm so excited about it. it. It's it's called Irresistible Force, The Life and Times of Gorilla Monsoon. And I started the process in March. I'm still in that research phase, and I think that's going to probably go on even through most of the summer, at least to the middle of the summer, where I'm I'm tracking down people for interviews. I've got so many good ones so far. And, and I'm I'm like, you know, going into the archives doing what I did with the Sheik book, honestly, but like, because that taught me a lot of how to like streamline the process, where to look to find out information. But I mean, I've talked to, oh my God, I I talked to Ross Hart about his time in Calgary. I talked to Kevin Sullivan, Tony Gurria, Irish Davey O'Hannon, Mary Savoldi, Gary Capetta. I'm looking at him right now. Bill Apter, Gino Brito, Jerry Briscoe, Ken Patera, who ended his career. You know, uh, these kind of and uh, as well as people who work behind the scenes in the WWF, whose names may not be known to the general public, but people who worked around Gorilla. And I'm proud to say that, you know, I've been in touch with his family and it's different from the Sheik book. Uh, um, You know, uh, Gorilla's widow Maureen is still with us. And um, I have been in communication with his daughter, Valerie. And they're very friendly and very open. They're, they haven't, they have yet to officially participate in, in the book. And I respect their decision one way or the other because, you know, of the whole kayfabe thing. And that's, you know, so I, I totally understand that having just written the Sheik book. But there's none of, um, when I was working on the Sheik book, it was very touchy where I felt like I really, the family wanted to do their own book. And I think they were very, uh, suspicious about anybody else doing something. And that has not been the case with this book, even though, you know, I, I, I totally respect it if they don't want to sort of, let's say, like do like full interview and that kind of thing. They've been very upfront and helpful about providing information, pointing me in the direction of the right people, even hopefully in the case of photography when the time comes. So it's been a much more harmonious process than the than the Sheik book. But I just hope it could be as good of a book as the Sheik book because I'm very proud of that work and I put my heart into it. So that's what I'm going to do with this one. Yeah, I hope it comes out the same way because like we were talking before we went on camera, the way you were able to paint the Sheik as this complete person, present his flaws in a way that 
wasn't judgmental. It just stated the facts. And in some cases, it was hard to look back on, especially not getting into anything deep, but just the connection with his wife and the ups and downs they had. It, I'm just still thinking about how I felt so bad for her at one point in the book. And then you see, but in the end, you know, that's what true love is, staying together through hard times and being that complete partner of his that you guys got to read the Sheik book. This is a great, not only talking about wrestling history, because you tie the Sheik's history in with what happens with the WWF and other companies, and it's just a really good historical book. And I'm sure the Gorilla book will come out much the same. Well, part of why I wanted to do it that way, like you said, with all the history, part of it is to cover for times where the Sheik's life is so secretive that I can't know everything and I don't know what was going on in his head and he never gave an interview. So it's like I thought I'm going to tell the broader picture of the whole wrestling business and his connection. Whereas like, let's say for the Gorilla book, I don't know if I necessarily need to do that. A, because he was a part of a company that is still today much more widely known you know, and followed because it still exists. So I don't, I don't have as much of a need to give as big of a picture. And also because there's a lot more known about Gorilla's life, about Gino's life. And he did give interviews and things in his lifetime and he did provide information. So I can really focus much more directly on the person um, than I did with the last book, which I think will be a, a benefit of the book. And as far as, like you said, being telling the truth and not being judgmental, the approach I took is look, I'm not out to drag anyone's name through the mud. I'm not out to trash somebody. I am out to tell a truthful story. So the approach I took with Sheik was, if it's something that is directly related to the story I'm telling, and I can't tell the story without it, then it's got to go in there. There are many things that were not put in, again, because I'm not interested in just dancing on someone's grave. you know. But I can't tell the story about a guy who went up and down and his company went completely under within a matter of years dramatically without explaining why that happened. It didn't just happen because of bad booking. <laughs> there were a lot of bad decisions that he made in his personal life. And so I had to get into that without becoming salacious and gross. Like I said, overly negative. Now with Gorilla, it's not as much of an issue because this was a guy that just everybody loved him. And I mean, you can dig and dig to try to find skeletons. You know, the worst things you're going to find is he liked to smoke and gamble. That's about right. it. You're not going to really find, you know, this was a beloved jewel. And so in his case, you know, it's more about, I think, his story being the the loyalty at, that he had and the and the way that he kind of navigated the, the, the evolution of the WWF, you know, and always found a way to belong and to contribute and just how respected and sometimes feared he was in the business. And then at the end of his life, unfortunately, with the loss of his son, how that affected him and how he he had his own kind of collapse in those last years, but for very different reasons. You know, so it's a very different kind of story. Yes. Now, we wanted to end this episode with a big announcement, and that is July 1st. You know Northeast Wrestling is coming to Veterans Park in Jewett City as part of the carnival. And at the Working Fans Podcast table, Brian R. Solomon has agreed to join us. And you are going to get a chance to buy his books and meet the author himself. We are so excited to have you down there. This is pro wrestling doesn't come to my hometown often. I'm going to be able to walk there. So to be able to bring in such a guest 
and be able to have you be able to sell your books is very exciting. So thanks for having me. I'm 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 actually a, a big fan of Northeast Wrestling. You know, again because it's my neck of the woods too. I've been to a lot of their Bethany shows, which is like their home base. I'm really good friends with a guy named Eric Valco, who was one of their camera operators for a long time. And so we know a lot of the same people. He's actually going to be coming down with me uh, uh, for this show. You know, so I'm glad to be a part of it. I'm glad you invited me to do it. And and I'm happy to meet more readers or potential readers of the book. It's going to be July 1st. Before we let you go, Brian, do you have plug what you'd like to plug? Sure. Well, can I plug my own podcast? Is that is that oh, what yes, I, I should have mentioned it at the top, but I was just... I was so ready to get into this discussion. No, no, it's fine. I didn't, I never know on someone else's podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, my show is called Shut Up and Wrestle, and it's part of the Arcadian Vanguard Network, which is also – they're also the ones that carry Jim Cornette's shows and the 605 Super Podcast. So it's a great platform to be on, but it's an old-school vintage-themed wrestling podcast and i have different guests each week so the conversation is so varied it depends when you listen you know what kind of show you're going to get like i had george shire on recently and we talked about the old awa and just being a fan in the 50s 60s 70s my new guest that i'm actually as this is airing i have kurt fuller who was the star of no holds barred with hulk hogan i just had him on and next the next episode is abraham josephine reisman who's the author of the vince mcmahon book that just came out ringmaster who was a friend of mine so i was able to to book that episode and talk about that book so like i said it's just it varies from week to week and it's it's shut up and wrestle you can find it on all the usual platforms but the website is suawpod.com and you've also got the wrestling news if i'm correct right that's right i'm 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 busy i'm busy <laughs> the wrestling <laughs> news it, which is arcadian vanguard 2 and it's it's unprecedented. It sounds so simple, but it's unprecedented. We do a, a daily morning audio newscast of wrestling news. It's strictly news. There's no opinion. There's no clickbait. There's no like stuff that doesn't really qualify as news. Like, hey, find out what Booker T said about Charmel. Like, that's not news. Like, we really focus on actual news that people want to hear from day to day. It's I, I write most of the script. The audio, the anchor person is Mike Sempervivi, who a lot of people probably know from Wrestling Observer Radio and, and their shows. So he's a part of it too. We're real proud of it. It's literally every morning. You, you mm. know, the, the wrestlingnews.com and it's also on the Arcadian Vanguard YouTube. All right. Well, thank you very much. Sure. And we hope to have you on again soon, Brian. Have a good, good one. All right, guys. Thank you. Oh, sorry. oh we're live. We're knocking, but we can't come in. Hey, what's <laughs> up, man? Hope you in soon. Rest in peace, Iron Sheik. <laughs> Let us know when you're here, baby. <laughs> Welcome to episode 200. AJ's appearance may or may not be brought to you by Dubby. Let's see how fired up he is. Oh, no, I'm very fired up. I've been stuck in traffic all day long. Thank God I got my Dubby with me. If I didn't, as a matter of fact, I want to show you something. I'm going to show you somebody. <laughs> when I travel, there's only one thing that comes with me. Dubby and diapers. Dubby. Oh, shit. Hold Dubby on. We almost with... missed it. Calio Dubby Cream. Dubby is always with me. Calio Cream, babe. Go to W.GG. Use code FANSWORKING, and you will not be caught in traffic. You will get 10%. We're celebrating episode 200, but I think we got to start with talking about the obvious news that happened this week, and that's the death of the Iron Sheik. 
I hey, did you wrestle Cheek? I have never wrestled Cheek. Uh, and I'm glad I never wrestled you Cheek. You stretched your ass. <laughs> that man is a legitimate badass. When you said the biggest news this week, though, I thought you were going to be talking about the death of the gambler, Florida independent wrestler. No. Who? <laughs> Shout out to the gambler, though. <laughs> his family <laughs> now I, iron chic is one of the biggest matches we can remember from our childhood is hulk hogan versus the iron Sheik and madison square garden when hogan gets out of the camel clutch and wins and beats iron chic if that's not one of the most iconic moments from our childhood i don't know what is yeah i mean that chic victory over back when right before that too with the towel it really signified the end of that era like even though that was in december of 83 that felt like the end of the 70s and then when basically not even a month later i want to say like three weeks later when hogan beat chic with that leg drop that's the beginning of the new era in A's. And Sheik really is that guy that bridges both of that. After the towel got thrown in, Dave went out and burned all of his bell bottoms. I was sick. All of them. <laughs> sick. Then the feud with Sergeant Slaughter. That was pretty big back in the day, too. Oh, even when he beat, if you remember, when they, with the loaded boot, when him and Nikolai Volkov won the tag title. And Barry Windham and Mike Rotunda. Yeah, how heartbreaking was that as a young child for the U.S. Express to lose the belts with that loaded boot? He was iconic, and I mean, I remember having this action doll where the big rubber dolls where uh, I was always a little upset they weren't action figures when I was a kid. I couldn't do much with them, but I tried. No, and no, they were tremendous. You could always do a good hip toss. Good hip toss. I was doing the stunner back then. I didn't even know it was the stunner. Yeah, <laughs> I, it, you know, I was coming up with Remember it. the old wrestling saying, I went through this when I was in training, good heels take beals. Figure to the iron. Iron Sheik back when it was still safe to hate Iranians. Guys, when we started this podcast on September 26, 2019, did you ever imagine we would have made it to 200 episodes? Man, I thought we were going to get rich off of this already. <laughs> I was like, episode 100, I'm like, back up the money truck, baby. Where's that house? <laughs> I'm impressed that we're all still here 200 episodes into it. I well, mean, we, my heart we, was racing a little this morning. If it makes you feel better, I don't know what that was about. <laughs> I just <laughs> called it. That's, I'll tell you what, if you got rid of that other stimulant that you're taking and replaced it with Dubby, your heart wouldn't race and you'd get clean energy. <laughs> I like the jitters, though. <laughs> It's funny, though, since we've started the podcast, the way we've done things has morphed at different times. I mean, we survived COVID and we go through these like it seems like these phases like we did the 531 heavy for a while. Then we were doing the wrestling news of the week. We did the updates of shows. But like we found that when we're talking wrestling, it almost works better for us than any specific type of recap. Yeah, people people love talking wrestling. It's like being in the old days sitting down with your friends because that's what we are not just friends with each other but friends to all of our fans except for randy osga uh, and we randy's all... gonna be hurt by that <laughs> you I, take I, your no, words back <laughs> now wait a minute that's because randy's more like a brother oh he's family now upgrade exactly but it's one of those things where it, it takes us back and makes us feel like we're kids again and just talking shit and talking about our favorite wrestling matches, what's right, what's wrong. Well, I'm speaking of Randy Osga, he did have a question this week, and we're just riffing on wrestling. AJ, did you see the Adam Cole MJF segment? <laughs> no, I did not. Oh, wait a minute, Adam Cole and MJF, yes. For some reason, I thought you said Michael Cole. That's why I was like, what? I definitely saw Adam Cole and MJF. What did you think of that segment? I thought it was very well done. Both of them brought what are troops in the magazines. 
and by, and by saying that, I mean things that we believe to be true due to the fact that it's everywhere on the internet now. And they both hit what you would think would be below the belt, but it was good. Yeah, I agree with most of that. I There was a couple of times when I thought MJF, when he was going in on Cole being frail and everything, there was a part of me that's like, it doesn't feel like we're really building up our challenger too well. But Cole gets a chance to go back at him with the drug test innuendo and all that stuff. So I think it's just if- the way they... They do promo if, battles now. If he had talked about him being frail and then that was it, then I would 100% agree with you because you always want to build up your opponent. Mm-hmm. But Adam Cole came back with, oh, yeah, real original, great shot, and then talked about how prestigious and how many wins he's had and the great matches he's had. So he had a chance to defend himself and to rebuild himself up. Yeah, I mean, if he wasn't a good talker, it might have been an issue, but... I mean, for Christ's sake, he just got done wrestling Jungle Boy, Darby Allin, and Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara is the only one with muscle. Now, AJ, I know you didn't miss our big announcement in the Brian R. Solomon interview we just did, but July 1st, Northeast Wrestling, coming to Jewett City... We are not on commentary, but we are bringing wrestling author Brian R. Solomon is going to be sitting at the Working Fans Podcast table, selling his books. Come on down, meet him. You won't get to hear us talk shit on commentary, but you get to hear us talk shit live, and that might be even better. You Just can hear us. Up here. Hold on a second. <laughs> I didn't say we weren't doing commentary. I ain't throwing this towel yet. I got a couple kids at the high school I may know. We may be doing commentary. Absolutely. Hold on a second. He I know some young boys. He doesn't I'm know them directly. What, 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 are you, what are you fucking Owen Hart's? What are you, Brett's mom? You're throwing the towel in? Jesus Christ. <laughs> even, even if we don't have a camera, come down. We'll do commentary live for you. Yeah, we'll you can you. sit in front of us. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. <laughs> you can sit at the table and listen to us call it. Oh, I, I like that AJ's taking the reins on this. We do still have a couple emails out. We are hoping to get something recorded. But if not, mm-hmm. we have a wrestling author. He just did the Sheik book. He just released Superheroes, the history of a pop culture phenomenon from Ant-Man to Zorro. He is working on a Gorilla Monsoon book. This guy, he worked on WWF Magazine, part of the Arcadian Vanguard podcast network. This is the second wrestling show we're going to work, guys. Will it be better than the first one? Well, first off, yes, because we everything's got to get bigger and better. Next, next, <laughs> Secondly, next. Hold on, AJ, hold on. And I just want to point out, getting Brian Sullivan was a real clue. Joe pulled that off. He's a big-time author. He's a huge fan. That would be enough for most people, but it's not enough for us. We're going to get to do commentary. We're not giving up. We're not throwing the towel. So I know what Joe was ready to say is, we got a busy day that day, and we can't wait. <laughs> Go ahead, AJ. Dude, first of all, Brian R. Solomon is one of the most knowledgeable wrestling minds in the world. His books, if you haven't read them, get a copy, read them. If you haven't bought them yet, come to our table. I'm sure he'll be selling them, signing them. The links are actually in the interview we did with him. I posted the links for comic books, Blood and Fire. AJ, you're a fan of old school wrestling, so I think you would like the book about the original Sheik. I'm so old school, I don't even know how to use a link. I'm going to get the hard copy from him directly. If you come down and come to the table, not only will he sign for you, but the three of us schmucks will sign for you also. We yeah. won't sign your book. We might have like a no, not your book. No, 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 no. Not, not the book. We're going to sign you. Bear, oh, so bring, wow. Bring, bring bear skin. I'll bring the Sharpie. Above the age of 18. 
Uh, yes. The words yes, yes, of yes. AJ Strange Brew do not reflect of the working fans podcast. Above, you either have to be over 18 or your parents got to be with you. What? No. No. <laughs> I think we're getting into dangerous territory here, but <laughs> you're seeing the three personalities that go behind this podcast. We really have Rooney there. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, we pulled him out to Pistol Pete's. I'll yeah. be damned Woo! if he doesn't come down to the carnival. This is one of those things that the podcast, I think, has survived because we do have three different personalities. We look at things different ways, but we're always able to find like the middle ground. And there have been times where I've been ready to shut down the studio. Dave keeps it open. AJ revives us with new ideas, you know, where me and Dave are a little more straightforward. AJ will Dave. be that over the top. I'm just a personality, folks. I'm a pretty face and a personality. Mm. I'll bring the thunder. These two guys are the lifeline of the podcast. Do not let them fool you. They're trying I'm to anxiety and nerves. Plus, <laughs> I'll start an argument. I don't know why. Dave is like the, I don't know. I don't know if it's just since Dave got a family, but he's the calming presence. He's like, hey, you going to leave that light on? You going to shut the fuck up. I can't, believe, I can't believe he was finally able to rent a family. It's, it's all about being unselfish. Bat, knowing when to make your move and when to lay back. And right now, I'm going to lay back because I got to take care of family business tonight. But you guys are going to the same place. Masters of Puppets. Woo! First I'm of all, I'm a little known fact. I am a huge psych fan. The TV show Psych, I, I go nuts for it. It is one of the funniest things. They have always had re references to wrestling in it. Now, James Rodé Rodriguez has produced a play that revolves around wrestling and is starring Kurt Fuller, who was Woody on Psych. But those of you who are wrestling fans, he was the bad guy manager in Dave's favorite movie of all the time, No Holds Barred. Ghostbusters 2, character actor. The play only runs till Sunday, so we are getting in at the finishing line. Brian R. Solomon talked highly of it, so I'm very excited for this. I, yeah, he actually I am, said there's a character name. I want to say Randy Days. Rainy he says, Days. You can Rainy Days. Rainy Days. Okay, well, he's clearly he's saying he's clearly Michael P.S. Hayes when you get there. Well, I am in the front row. My tickets are literally. If you guys, if you're, if you're going to the show, guys, and you see me or producer Joe, please stop over, say hi to us. We okay? will be very mystified that you know us, but we are happy to meet oh, no, anybody. Well, I will be in shock if this comes to fruition. But, but come over, say hi. I'll give you a high five. I'll sign you on your forehead. It'll be great. Nice. You know what he's gonna have in his pocket. That's just a sharpie. I'm not happy to see you. That's and a, a little dummy, baby. Ah, oh, damn. Yeah, I was gonna say. Get out. Oh, shit. He's about to mainline it in the car. Let's watch him do it. <laughs> well, you guys can see this is a free-flowing episode. What has been catching your eye lately in wrestling? Because I bought the New Japan, All Japan, Noah three-way like pay-per-view that was on today. Haven't watched it yet, but I'm excited about that because it's not too often big companies will come together. First of all, the only thing catching Dave's eye is Tiffany Stratton. Legit. What is your favorite thing to watch right now? Right, I'm not talking about company. Just whatever. What's your favorite storyline or wrestler who's got your attention well, last week rampage was on fire overall right now my favorite thing to watch god i love nxt right now yeah uh, other than tiffany stratton i absolutely love nxt the fact that braun breaker is challenging seth rollins that's been incredible for me it's the bloodline stuff 
But I think part of that is because I think AJ will tell you the bloodline stuff mainly happens on SmackDown on Fridays. And AJ doesn't get to really sit there and get to enjoy wrestling on Fridays. A lot of times he has to fast forward through stuff, you know. But me, like, I'm watching that live almost all the time. And so I don't miss a bit of it. And the depth that the characters are... Oh, the depth of the characters is phenomenal. Yeah. What they're doing with the Usos, we don't even know what's going to happen this week. I loved Paul Heyman this week Hmm. when he said, hey, I'm going to give you a spoiler. I know what Jay's doing. He's going with his brother. He's going with Solo. Right. (laughs) That's absolutely incredible. I think it's got to be Jay and Jimmy, but at this point, you never really know. Yeah, they they already swerved us. If we thought somebody was going to have a backbone and stand up to Roman, we thought it was going to be Jay. No, we didn't. We never thought it was going to be Jimmy. But I know one thing. I'll be watching that live by myself tonight because you two <laughs> will be at Master Puppets. Yeah, I think it would be rude if I was doing my YouTube TV while I have to play. I mean, maybe if you had headphones and, like, you know, kind of didn't keep the screen up, but you can't be rude. Like, this is the first play I think I've been to since I was in high school. So I'm interesting to see how it's going to play out in front of us. AJ, you seem to go to a lot of plays. I do. I went to six at the per- the um, play six about Henry the uh, Henry the Ace, uh, six ex-wives at the Pro- Pro- yeah, Providence Performing Arts Center a few weeks ago with my daughter Morgan. I go to a lot of plays, so I'm very excited for this. You went to a play about six ex-wives, and you're like, God, can I just get one, please? Yes. Luckily, I can say that because she she'll never watch this, but absolutely. It, it's that family <laughs> support that keeps us going. That's why we joke so openly about it here because it's like it is going into the void. But God, Well, people episode- ask me, people ask me, they're like, what's the best thing when you do comedy? And I always tell them it's the fact that I know my wife won't be there. Randy Osga in the house. Randy, will you be going to Northeast Wrestling in Jewett City? It is the same day as Money in the Bank, though. I want to let you guys know that. Mm. And Dave's got a big bread day, so he is just fucked all around. Yeah. Wait a minute. Are are you suggesting that watching Money in the Bank would be better than meeting us and Brian R. Solomon? You, sir, are insane. AJ, that's uh, that's an anniversary day. It's my anniversary. (laughs) Oh, wow. So AJ might... Might be in a tougher spot than Dave. Oh, no, I'm coming. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's your anniversary. Yeah, we know you are. You ain't got to air your stuff publicly. (laughs) Yeah, I'll put her in the car and tell her I'm taking her to a surprise. Any Any matches announced yet for NEW? No, we are hoping to hear some soon. Privately, we know of a couple of appearances, and we're going to be lining up some interviews in the coming weeks. So keep an eye on our social media. Keep an eye on Northeast Wrestling. Yeah. El Ijo Del Vikingo is actually going to be at Northeast Wrestling tonight in, I believe, Waterbury or... It is. It's, in, be Waterbury. The- it's in Waterbury at the PAL. PAL oh, yeah. Center. But yeah, that's going to be big. And I'm sure after that show, more will come out about the Jewett City show. Fans, welcome back for Working Fans Podcast, Episode 200. Yesterday, you heard that AJ and I went to Masters of Puppets at the Legacy Theater in Brantford, Connecticut. And AJ, I want to start with what were your expectations going in? Because I didn't know how the theater crowd was going to take a wrestling show, and I didn't know how this was going to translate. I had different expectations. I had a feeling because Kurt Fuller and Dana Ashbrook, a lot of the actors that are in there have been doing theater for a very long time. So I had a feeling that no matter what the show was about, that the crowd would take to them. And we were right. They did. 
Getting into Branford, have you ever been to Branford before? Yes, I've actually been to Thimble Island Brewery, and so I was a little bit familiar with how tight the island was going to be. I've also never why- been down there, and it looked... When I got into town, I felt ethnic. That's just how white the town <laughs> comes across. Beautiful view across that bay, and... I really like the town getting in there. When I drove past the theater, I couldn't believe the size of it. And that's not a knock because I everything we're going to say about this theater was comp- complimentary. I wasn't in the bathrooms, but I imagine they were amazing as well. So what were your first thoughts of getting to? The- it's definitely a small community. Even though I've been there before, I didn't know where the theater was. And I was having trouble even imagining where the theater would be because it's such a small island. But apparently it used to be um, in the 1800s, a small non-denominational church, and they built it up to this beautiful theater that it is. Yeah, it eventually became like a puppet theater that Jeff, I'm going to go get his name because the front of house manager for the show, Jeff Zeitlin was amazing and it's the only name i had to look up because the whole the whole staff was great you get in there we were a little early we were a couple minutes before you jeff welcomed us we told him that we had heard about it through brian solomon you know and he had brought evan ginsburg in he was talking to other wrestling podcasts we mentioned we had talked to brian solomon like and i don't think that was the reason we were welcomed so much but just Customer service, 100% across the board. So I was at the Providence Performing Arts Center a few weeks ago with my daughter, and I love going to the PPAC. It's a great place to see theater, but you don't have that warm feeling. When you come into the PPAC, it's a big theater. You come in, you're another number. You do not feel like that when you go to the Legacy Theater. When you go to the Legacy Theater in Brantford, they literally greet you. You're a person to them. I even met the young lady who is there, um, I believe artistic director, Stephanie Williams, and she was fantastic. One of the nicest people really took care of us. It was great to actually meet them. And I actually just screwed up. The artistic director is Keely Bazden Knudsen. She was incredibly nice, literally asked me, hey, what brought you here today? I told her how I'm a big psych fan, how I'm also a wrestling fan, and that we drove an hour to get there. And they absolutely, they, they were so welcoming. Yeah, this was wild that this is one of the events that was like an equal time between the both of us. And, you know, we get into the theater, play starts, first half of the play, an emotional trip. I like the ride that they took you on. If you're a wrestling fan, there's enough insider stuff that you will get. I don't know how the average person would take this, but I imagine they would enjoy it. I don't think you have to be a wrestling fan. I think that there's a wink and a nod to wrestling fans in it, but I think because of what you were talking about with it being an emotional journey, that you don't have to be a wrestling fan. If you're a um, fan of the human comedy that is life, I think you will enjoy the aspects of this play that make you go, oh crap, and that real humanity to it. Yes, definitely. Now there was a 15 minute intermission. The whole play runs about two hours. Second half of the play wild i didn't expect some of the twists and turns that you got it was i loved the ending 
And more importantly, the way that all these actors brought these characters to life, like we we saw this play last night. AJ's at Relay for Life. You can see that safety jacket on him. I'm awake probably much earlier than I should be because we wanted to get this out. This play is so good. You've got, what, two days? You've got a 2 o'clock show and an 8 o'clock show today. Yeah. And then a 2 o'clock show tomorrow, and it is done. And you need to check this out. Like, whether it's getting down to Branford, getting – a beer, getting food at one of the local restaurants. You can park almost anywhere on the street and walk not too far to this theater. And this play is, I haven't seen a play since high school. And we are this excited that we had to record this today. Do do me a favor, folks, get out there. Even if you don't get a chance to come see it, get out there and do a hashtag for legacy theater do a hashtag for Masters of Puppets. Let's see if at we Legacy can actually, Theater. At Legacy Theater. Let's see if we can extend this. Let's see if we can get it brought back. It is a short run. A lot of times short runs are to actually see, hey, will this work on the larger Broadway? Will it work just off Broadway? The more people that get out there and support this, the better chance we have of seeing a longer run of it. And it is worth it. And it's in Connecticut. Like, one of the things that blows me away is pro wrestling being presented in a more artful form. You think pro wrestling, you think low-tier entertainment. But think about what Marvel has done for superheroes now. Everybody is a superhero fan. You don't get called dumb or you don't get called, you don't get told that superheroes are fake when you go to see a Marvel movie. Being a wrestling fan, there's always that stigma. This play bridges that gap in the best way. I thought that it has the ability to be successful, similar to Glow was successful on Netflix, similar to now. What's the Stephen Amell? He's got a TV show now. Heels. that has Heels. That has been successful. To me, this brings a little bit more drama and a little bit more comedy to it. And I could see this being successful, not just say per se as a play on broadway but i could see this actually on tv this like i was telling our my friend that i went with last night they left it open-ended enough where there could be a sequel and i'm invested enough in this play i want to see where these characters go yeah i thought it was gonna have a much darker end than it did and i feel like with wrestling it's only coming down the pike for if this was on Netflix or Hulu or any of those streaming services, I would tune in next week to see what was going to happen next. 100%. And you've only got three more opportunities. If you're watching this live and you're within the sound of my voice, buy a ticket, get to the theater, and get to see this play. Like, this play was so good. I am not a play fan. I haven't gone to them much since high school. But they are doing a Christmas carol in December or maybe November. I don't know. AJ, check the date. But I was interested enough and they drew me in enough as a person that I'm like, I want to support them. It's like NPR. You get yeah. quality content. They're de- I assume they're dependent on donors. And this is art you have to support. Yeah, I'm already actually looking up how to donate because they do have donations that they take. Um, but they also have different programs that they do, like a legacy program and stuff of that nature, where you can be a part of it and volunteer 
And I was looking at jobs they had offered. It was that good an experience. This, this was the most welcoming environment we could have had. And yesterday I thought episode 200, it was good, but it didn't bring our usual flair. And that's why I'm like, AJ, I don't care what you're doing. Tell the charity to get fucked. We (laughs) have to tell the world about legacy theater and about masters of puppets. So thank you for joining us. Legacy Theater does not support the language we used on this. Joe, before you go, I just want to mention something real quick. The cast was also incredibly welcoming. Oh, they my God. Out- mention the names. We got to let the people know about this because you got Kurt Fuller. And then you got. So Kurt, Fell- Kurt Fuller was fantastic. You know him from Psych. And no holds nice barred. As- Ghostbusters. No barred. Ghostbusters. Get familiar. He's got an IMDb. He was so friendly when we met him afterwards, too. He took at least 10 to 15 minutes to talk to us. It was absolutely incredible. But the talented cast is Dana Ashbrook. You've got Amanda Detmer. You've got Michael Bobenhausen. And then you also have Joshua Hagee and Michael Hogan. I will tell you, Michael Hogan for me as Rainy Days, without giving anything away, he stole a lot of the show. His chemistry between him, Dana Ashbrook, and Kurt Fuller, out of this world. I'm going to do you one better. I'm going to shout out Gabe McKinley, the director, Jamie Burnett, scenic and lighting designer, Golly Noy, costume designer, Polly Gregory, assistant costume designer, Erica Pajonas, properties designer, Adam Jackson, sign designer, sound designer. Let me tell you something. That crew that was doing the sets, seamless. They were fantastic. This was all done on like we talked about it's not a huge theater but it was done in a way that was just seamless and you felt in the story and that to me is the key to a great play yeah there was like maybe three different sets that you got they switched seamlessly between them i love that the people on stage had ref shirts so it kind of fit with the theme I mean, Rick Burkham, Master Carpenter, T. Rick Jones, Stage Manager, Lawrence Davis, Playwright, James Rode, Rodriguez, Producer. Let's see what other names we got in here. This was such a good experience. These guys got to get mentioned. Jeff yeah, Provost, I... Managing Director, Keely Bazden Nudson, Artistic Director, and Co-Founder. I believe she came out at the beginning and gave the introduction, and that gave such a welcoming feel because, like, not a theater goer. I fell out of my element, and it was the best experience you could have for a night out. Yeah, and I got to go fanboy here for a little bit. I got Kurt Fuller's autograph. Kurt Fuller. I did too. <laughs> I was able to get two because I had to get one for my brother who's a psych fan. And even when they were ushering us out, because I'm not going to say kicking us out because Jeff no. did it in the nicest way possible. And then I oh. asked for a picture after that. And gave Kurt Fuller a card and tried soliciting an interview. And everybody was cool about it. It was, I can't say enough about our experience. He reminded us in the gentlest way possible that we had two shows to do today for the cast and one show tomorrow. I know today might be tough to get to, but if you are in Connecticut and you're hearing our voice. You can make 8 o'clock. You may not make 2 o'clock, but you fucked up if you didn't make 8 o'clock. I'm also Sorry, gonna rec- theater. Well, the reason why I'm recommending tomorrow at two o'clock is because a lot of times that last day of uh, um, 
Production, everybody is in town. They want to send it off in the biggest way possible. I'm not going to say any names. I'm just saying they're going to try to send it off as big as possible. If you're going to get there, the last day of production is a good day to be there. Two o'clock. Do you know how nice the weather is going to be tomorrow? The sun hitting that water. You can park. You can go to Stony Creek Pizza. I think we walked by. Smelled amazing. What I recommend is here you go. Go down to Brantford, get yourself some lunch at Stony Creek Pizza. Then after you're done, go see the play for two o'clock. Once you're done with there, take your partner with you, take your friends with you, go over to the Thimble Island Brewery, which is over there, and you'll get a nice meal and get yourself some nice beverages. And all of that will make a great day and a great Sunday. Yes. And Read about the Northern Wrestling Federation in the book presented by Russellville.com, The The Pro Pro Wrestling Wrestling Fault, Volume 2. Hear the story of Roger Ruffin, the man who trained Carl Anderson, Anderson, the Monster Abyss, Jordan Clearwater, Chris Harrison, Jillian Hall. Plus 45 other short stories including Jazz, Bobby Eaton, Kamala, Thunder Rosa, Mario Mancini, Scott Casey, PJ Black, Kerry Morton, Sal Renaro, Jeremiah Plunkett, Colby Carino, Bam Bam Malone, and many others. Get your book today at Russellville.com. Russellville, it's where wrestling lives.